have the business you want, or is it driving you crazy? A recent survey said 70% of business owners are dissatisfied with some aspect of their business. That's why we created Driving Biz, the number one source of business information. We have the leading experts from around the world as guests each week. So enjoy and love your business. Ladies and gentlemen, we're in for a very special guest today. His name is John Yerian, and he's a serial entrepreneur and performance coach, but he's also become a writer and a speaker. He works with Chris at Sovereign and previously co-founded a brand design studio and a strategic communications consultancy. He lives in Charleston, South Carolina. Welcome, John. It's a pleasure to be here. Tell me how you got to where you are now. (laughs) I have spent my career, give or take 20 years, helping people make sense out of each other as a professional communicator. And that's always been my fascination and given me a window into how people think. And now I use that and other skills I've developed um, to help people unlock new levels of performance in their work and in their careers. How did you become so fascinated with the world of communication? I suspect it has something to do with being a youngest sibling who had a lot of time to observe and got good at observing as a kid and had a little bit of a gift for language. And I find that if you listen and notice and pay attention, you you can have a lot to offer somebody else. And I, I suspect that's ultimately where it came from. And I'm just endlessly curious about people in general. Well, that, that's those are huge benefits in life, in companies, and in, in everything you do. Because by being curious and having the ability to communicate is very important. I find that we are in the communication ages. We are in this day and age where we have so many tools to communicate, and yet we do it so poorly. I think so. One thing I appreciate about this show is the space for listening, the way you listen, and the way guests can be in that environment with you. Um, it's it's difficult to do when we're in a big rush to prove to each other that we're smart or qualified or competent or whatever it is that's making us insecure. But if we can just be with each other like we are right now to learn and explore, boy, it really opens up. And and we discover things and find great new benefits to it. So it's it's always a joy for me to be a part of that. Well, tell me about your book, Spark. The book is called Spark, 24 Concepts to Ignite, Unstick, or Supercharge Your Work Life. And we think about the book a little bit like, you know, maybe a Spotify playlist. So it's a collection of interesting ideas, but they're all bite-sized. These are 1,500-word essays. And you could read it in any order, back to front, throw it up in the air. Um, and we thought that would be an interesting way to, to, to kind of create an opening with the audience and make it a little bit more approachable. And each section simply breaks down a concept, something that oftentimes we think we know or a word we, we might use with others. But when you really look at it, we're not quite sure how to explain it or put it into practice. So things like leadership or collaboration or empowerment, what does that really mean and how do we do it? So the book has instructions for that for any reader. So this is sort of an owner's manual 
on on finding a concept and helping to turn it into reality in your life. I think so. You know, the example we use is that I know what a quiche is, right? I know what a quiche looks like. It's a dish. I've seen many of them. So I have a relationship to that. I know it. And yet, if you put me in a kitchen with all of the ingredients, I could not make it. I have no idea how. I have to have a recipe. And so what we found in our work, my co-author, Chris, and myself, is that folks have a relationship to words like leadership or collaboration, but they don't have a recipe and they don't really know how to make it. You said, what are the first three steps to it? They go, I don't know. So maybe they cite examples of people who seem like leaders or something else. But we wanted to be as practical as possible with the goal being that you could put down any of these sections and immediately go out and try it. See if it works. Okay, so you mentioned the word leadership a couple of times. Let's open up the the hood of the car and dive right into that. Tell me your concept of leadership in the chapter that you write. Well, the beginning for us is identifying something outside of yourself, something that somebody else could participate in or would align with their interests. So my desire to be in charge is not leadership. That's just about me. <laughs> that, that doesn't do a lot. Uh, but if I could conceive of something outside of myself, something that would make a difference for others or have an impact on the world, then I could find ways to have others participate. And then I would discover that leadership has a lot more to do with service than it does with authority. So if I set about to create, um, you know, to, to build the world's fastest car, and you had an interest in cars and speed, we might have something there. But in order to be a leader in that, I would have to consider how to serve you and your aim to create that car. And so the, the, that's sort of a really quick version of how we break down leadership. Okay, okay. Let's dive into the second one, which is purpose. Let's, again, lift up the hood and understand your concept of purpose. So purpose for us would be distinct, or at least the way we would want to use it in the book, or or for any listener who wants to apply it to their work. For us, it really doesn't have a lot to do with like a religious or existential layer, although those are fine and great. And if you have purpose in your life from that direction, you know, we, we love it. Purpose for us would be more about the clear identification of your commitment to a given thing, right? What it is you have set about to do. And so, for example, my purpose in this podcast is to serve this audience with ideas that might help their work or their career. That is distinct from trying to make them laugh, which I don't think I've done yet, or to to simply entertain you. And by being clear on that purpose, it unlocks intention and changes the way I perform because I'm conscious of that and present to it throughout the process. And so for us, that's where purpose shows up in work or in any given project. Okay. Purpose is, is both an individual thing and a business thing. Mm-hmm. Where do you think the most important aspect is in your book? Um, the most important as it relates to driving an outcome or ask that again or differently. Well, you know, many people think of their business purpose or the business purpose in life, but in, in life, Many people have an individual purpose that they think is totally different. 
are they different or can you marry the two in, in your concept in the chapter? Well, I think the word I would look for is reconciliation. I think you would have to reconcile those purposes. So when we talk about business, I'm really clear that that word is just an abstraction, right? A business is just a group of human beings trying to do something together. And those human beings are going to be motivated or find purpose in in how they experience life inside themselves. So nobody's going to get up in the morning and go, God, I just love this company so much. You know, I just, that's what drives me all day, every day. Um, So the way I would answer that is you want to find a way to work where there is some reconciliation relationship between what the company is doing and what moves you as an individual. So that that might be expressing yourself, that might be serving some audience that you think um, has been overlooked, but whatever it is, connecting those dots to your individual purpose, I think is essential to creating real, real impact and real performance. Yeah, when there's an alignment between your individual purpose and the purpose of a business, that's where there's true power that comes out. Right. I I mean, one way to put it is I don't think your show would work at all if you just set about because you were interested in having a very popular show. What what you are is very interested in your guests and serving your audience. And oh, by the way, that creates a very popular show. But that's a byproduct. Right. Your interest or passion or purpose in the thing itself is what makes it work. And so we see this show up over and over and over in professional contexts where people want to skip ahead (laughs) or make the outcome the purpose. And it's like, well, you don't get there. (laughs) You know, you you would have to be interested in the thing yourself uh, to really make it work. And that's one where I think people just are not fooled in the way that we think they are. I think it just comes across very quickly. For sure. And I I think that is, is what really makes things powerful there. Tell me about your concept of integrity. Because they say businesses in this day and age, the biggest thing they're lacking is integrity. All they want is quarterly profits. They don't care how they get there. <laughs> well, it's interesting you bring it up. When We use the word integrity a little bit differently in the book. Um, and where we find it to be most useful with the teams and leaders we work with is to consider it more in like an engineering context. So a, when a bridge has integrity, that means it is whole and complete and can be relied on for the purpose for which it was designed. You can drive across it, right? It has integrity. So that's not a moral or ethical concept. It's just structural. And what we have people look at is whether or not the way they communicate with each other, the word they use with each other, whether or not it is whole and complete, meaning it can be counted on. And so the big challenge we have Uh, to teams and partners and individuals is, do you always do what you said you were going to do every single time? And are you careful to turn down or explore things that you're not sure you can do? And the answers are pretty surprising, but the the research, you know, when when teams reach a a higher level of integrity, the performance outcomes are incredible. um, Simply by virtue of the fact that they know what they can count on from each other. And I I think that has much larger application. At the beginning of your question, I think had to do with, did, you know, does the end justify the means? Like, should these companies care about anything? I think using integrity as a concept is an easier way to create a purpose-driven company and drive those results that aren't, that won't only be justified by a bottom line. Yeah. And this is where, uh, although I said it as a moral imperative, I certainly meant it for it to be a business imperative as well. 
that the two, you know, we use concepts, as you said, as loose concepts and, and moral uh, concepts are, and structural concepts are also very important. Yep. But we want to find ways to work together and make a difference without requiring us to see the world the same way. No. So you and I have hit it off, but we think pretty differently, right? And that's okay if we're using tools to collaborate and make a difference inside the context we've created for each other. That's one of the big keys that we touch on in the book is, you know, you want to maximize the other person's freedom of thought, have them be who they are. Don't bring judgment into a relationship, but then inside the context of your work, create the context and the rules that would make it be effective. I think that's so, so significant. For sure. But then you flip over to some concepts that I think are very important, but ones that are not necessarily engineering concepts. Like in chapter 10, you talk about joy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's totally a different sort of concept than your integrity concept. So let's dive into that a bit. It's different. What, What has it where it's more similar than people think is these are joy or integrity are things that you can pretty accurately determine the presence or absence of them. Right. Um, And that that's really important to identify, you know, to anybody listening to this, who's wondering about it, I I could tell you right now, they know if they find their work joyful or not, they know that (laughs) that's, they don't have to like go searching for that. The, The question for them is what does that mean or what do they want to do about it? And what would be different if they found joy in their work? Um, and, and back to what we spoke about, it's a little bit like with purpose, when that's real for you or present in, in inside yourself, the difference in the way you perform or relate to others is really, really significant. And unfortunately, a lot of people are really clear that, you know, they go to work um, to earn something, to meet their responsibilities. It's a transaction and they don't see it as a space where there really can be joy for them. And we see it very differently. So what is the difference between joy and happiness in the workforce? (laughs) Possibly just semantics, but so much of this is choosing a word and putting a definition to it so that you can share it with somebody else and understand it the same way. I think happiness would be about the same. I don't think it would matter. And if, if that's what somebody else prefers, I'm fine with it. The point is to be clear about whether or not you find fulfillment in your work right? Whether or not it gives you energy versus takes your energy and to consider what that might mean, both in terms of performance and the, the, you know, the way you want your life to work when you look back on it many years later. Yeah. I I think that is one of the keys to success in any business is joy. You know, it used to be said, you work hard, you make a lot of money, then you get happiness, but it's actually the opposite way around you have happiness, then you work hard, and then you make a lot of money. So the joy is the propelling feature beyond everything. And when, when, you, when you find work that occurs for you as happy, that working hard doesn't feel the same as working hard in something else. You know, there, there's, there's a joyful blending, right, of these things where it, it becomes just this gratification of putting your effort into something that's worth it versus something where you're constantly measuring, okay, well, what's it going to take to get me through this or how can I dig deep or whatever else? And, you know, from, from, you know, being engaged in passions of yours, you want to be into something that has you lose track of time. 
Like you wouldn't know how long it took because you're too busy doing it. Yeah, when we get into that flow state, because we're so engrossed in what we do, that is truly an amazing thing. It's exactly right. So let's skip forward a little bit. Chapter 14 is on empowerment. What's your concept of empowerment mean? Well, it would mean, just as the word suggests, giving or um, not preventing power from going to somebody else. And that's something that most of us are uncomfortable with. Like, we kind of like the idea of it, but in practice, it makes us nervous. And I think the example we use is watching your teenager drive off in a car for the first time. It's not a very comfortable feeling. <laughs> it's it's power for the teenager, and it's concerning for the adult that's worried about them. But it's a necessary step in the maturation and progression of that individual. And so em- empowerment is being with somebody else to truly give, to release, right, to trust, and see what's possible for them um, at a point that will likely, you know, make you pretty nervous as a manager or a colleague or a founder. And this could be a really big hurdle for a lot of founders to get through because it's just not, not comfortable for them to, to, um, you know, to get over that hump. Yeah, I understand. I, I love the way your book is organized. Section one is concepts you work on within yourself. Section two concepts you work with someone else section three concepts you work on within groups section four how the concepts go together and how they enmesh together sort of like your fingers when you're holding your hands in a certain pattern they all mesh together because they're meant to mesh together that's right and and spoiler alert the concepts you work on within yourself are probably the most challenging, right? The things you need to get clear about within yourself or to, to move past is usually the impediment. And as, and when we do that, we become more ready to apply concepts with others to invite them into something and kind of grow and scale and make a big difference. But um, that first step of understanding my purpose or um, you know, my will to be a leader is so critical. And so we really like to highlight that first section and make clear that making progress there is probably going to unlock a lot more in the rest of the book. It's going to be tough to just skip skip that part and get right to the end of it. Although I think all of it has application in any order. Exactly. I, I think, you know, those, you start with working on yourself. You work on things, uh, working together. And then finally, you can work on those team concepts, which are so important. And without the basis of the first things, you cannot build on the other things there. That's right. And and a lot of it simply comes back to being intentional. Like, what have you set out to do? What What is this day about? What is this week about? Um, are you clear about that? And can you live in commitment to it in a way that would be observable to others? That So much of this resolves down to... Um, noticing within yourself whether or not you're really about anything or simply reacting to the pressures and the perceived requirements of others and just sort of getting through the day, pretending to be a normal person, which unfortunately I think a lot of people can relate to, you know, they're just kind of like going along, trying to fit in and do whatever it seems like people need to do to keep getting paid or or whatever it is they want. 
um, which is pretty different than really getting clear on what you want to create in your life. Exactly. Now, this show, Driving Biz, is on how to have a fantastic company. Mm-hmm. Will these concepts you put in your book help people to develop a fantastic company? Absolutely. This this book is made for founders, founding partnerships, um, really any organization, but particularly relevant for folks who are directly hiring or growing an organization, many of whom would have you know that the 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 people management, you know, getting talent and having it work together occurs for them as the most challenging part of the process because they're, they're probably a brilliant engineer or an amazing money manager or this great visionary. But where a lot of folks experience discomfort and fear is around the idea of like, okay, now I got to get 10 other people to buy into this and all do their jobs and get along and be happy. And that part seems impossible. This book, (coughs) excuse me, is really perfect for that exact challenge. Like, how do you get the human element to fit together and really work in a way that moves that company forward? That's important. It's moving that needle forward. It's, right. it's working in with some degree of synchrony for people to move that needle forward. So it's it's uh, several things that have put as would sound like a random fashion, but this is far from random. This no. is intentional, right? Yeah, and, and and as as listeners can already tell, the book involves a lot of words that we all think we already know. We all think we already know them, and yet. You go to the office and like none of this stuff is working right. We, we're frustrated with our colleagues. We can't figure out what to do with our co-founder. We're not sure how to relate to an investor or something else. The human element becomes this almost insurmountable challenge. And oftentimes what it requires is just getting specific enough and committed enough to a way of addressing each of these things to have it governable in the way you experience your, you know, your software or your, you know, mechanical appliances or what have you. Um, I think so often folks get discouraged and and see their um, human talent as, you know, it just kind of either works or it doesn't. There's not really any way to optimize it. And we we see that very differently and hope that this book creates an opening for folks to to do that differently. Exactly. So you have given a lot of touchstones for people to look at their business in different ways. And that will help them steer their their business forward. Exactly. It it will give them a working definition of what it means to to lead or collaborate with others, which is different than having a business card that says I'm in charge. That doesn't do anything. You'd have to have a model, right? Something that you could practice or deploy. And one of the fun things about the book to me is that it's specific enough that you can really apply our definition but if it doesn't work for you, you'll still come up with one that does, right? It will still have you in the effort of being specific to know what it means. And so, as I like to say, I kind of think it works both ways, as long as it gets somebody being really intentional about the way they are with others and how they lead a team. Yeah, that's pretty important there. And I think that helps everybody have a starting point for this. So how can people find out more about you and the services you offer, John? Uh, The best place would be sparkbook.com. 
That's sparkbook.com. You'll get info about the book and myself and my co-author, Chris. Um, he and I work together in a holding company and um, venture studio called Sovereign here in Charleston, South Carolina. But I write and speak and travel and do stuff. And you can learn more about that at sparkbook.com. And the book is out. So you can pick it up at any bookshop or online. Um, it's out in the world right now. Well, this was a lot of fun, John. And thank you for sharing with us such amazing wisdom. I think anybody that picks up this book can get something out of it today. And as as you said, you can open it up, start at any point. You can go from front to back, back to front. And I would suggest people work on the things for themselves first, because those are going to be the most difficult. I think so. And uh, it's a real pleasure to have some time with you and your your wonderful audience. And thank you for having me. Well, thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, check out my website, com. That's D-R-A-L-L-E-N, Lyka, L-Y-C-K-A.com. Because there's a host of resources there. And if you need somebody to help your event, make sure you contact me because I'm a professional speaker that knows how to make your event sparkle. Bye for now and have a fantastic day. We hope you enjoyed Driving Biz, where you get the advice of the leading experts of the world. If you want more, you need to join the number one community for business owners, nobull.biz. And for a limited time, you can join at a discounted rate. To learn more, go to nobull.biz.